0: Tune into On The Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. If you like 80s hair rock, murder, and mystery, pick up a copy of Motel California by Michael Carlin wherever books are sold online. It's available in print and ebook book formats. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Uncorking Story. My name is Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to share with you my recent conversation with singer-songwriter Zayda Alfaro. Her first book, The Last Note, a Miami music mystery, was published earlier this year, and I had a great time speaking with Zida about her life and experience as a first-time author. Before I get to that, though, I want to paint a picture for you of where I am right now. So at this moment, I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot of a corporate office park in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, where I'm about to get into the second day of a a two-day brainstorming session on mayonnaise. And this is funny for two reasons. And number one, just think about it: it's a brainstorming session on mayonnaise. Where could you possibly go with mayonnaise? I guess I'll find out. Um, but second, I I despise mayonnaise. I mean, I'm grossed out by it. I'm grossed out by the smell. I'm grossed out by the color, the texture. Like mayonnaise is my kryptonite. I just can't. I can't deal. Every time I get a sandwich, I make sure no mayonnaise. Now. I hope my clients aren't listening to this, because uh, they're actually paying me to help them come up with new ideas about mayonnaise, ideas that I'll tell you I'm slightly grossed out about. Um, but that said, this is a paying job, and you know book sales are good. Thank you. Thank you all. Book sales are good, but they're not quite there uh, enough uh, to help put three kids through college. So I'm doing the brainstorming session on mayonnaise. Uh, so enough sexy condiment talk. Uh, I want to let you about uh, let you all know about a new project I'm working on. I'm writing a story right now called Karen Hates Christmas. Now this is the holiday season. I realize some of you might be listening to this well after the holidays, but right now it is November 29th. Thanksgiving is just in our rearview mirror, and I had this thought to write a story. About uh, about a sappy Christmas, uh, a sappy Christmas type story, and then I started thinking about it. I started thinking about all these Hallmark movies that I watch. Um, I watch them a lot with my wife, and they all follow a very similar formula. They're all like super cheesy, and I, I do have like a bone to pick with Hallmark because uh, they rejected Winning Streak. Uh, because I, I I did query them, I wanted them to turn. Uh, my novel winning streak into a Hallmark movie they said no uh, so shame on them anyway um i had this thought of writing a christmas parody so think about the movie airplane you know it was a parody of of the airport movies from the 70s and i thought to myself god what if somebody wrote a parody movie about you know one of these a parody of one of these Hallmark movies so I, I came up with this idea called Karen Hates Christmas. About this, it's about this woman who uh, you could probably tell by the title isn't thrilled with the Christmas holidays, and we kind of, you know, we'll kind of go into why she's not thrilled. She's got some good reasons not to be thrilled about Christmas, and you know, I'm just wondering if she's going to come away from this story uh, having found the true meaning of Christmas, or if she's still going to be uh, an Ebenezer Scrooge type. So I guess only. Time will tell. But I'll be releasing one chapter a day of Karen Hates Christmas between December 2nd and December 24th. For those of you who um, are into such things, that is the season of Advent. And when when I was a kid, uh, my, my grandmother used to buy me an Advent calendar. You'd open up every day of the calendar. There'd be like a little gift or a little, not gift, but a little chocolate, a little treat, a little tasty treat inside. So think about this as a, a, an Advent calendar for adults. Um, and you can follow along with Karen Hates Christmas at MichaelCarlinAuthor.com. That's Carlin with an O and not an I. Uh, there's a tab that will be on the homepage that reads Karen Hates Christmas. Pretty self-explanatory. And uh, you can think of uh, that as your, your very own adult Advent calendar. And that uh, the first uh, chapter will be up on December 2nd. So I, I guess I better get started on that one, huh? Um All right. So enough about me. On to Zyda. Uh, Interesting story. She tracked me down. Uh, She actually read my novel on quirking a murder. And for those of you who read it, you might remember that it takes place in South Florida. And this actually attracted uh, Zyda to the story uh, because the setting is one that is familiar to her. She is a Miami native. I myself am a native of uh, Florida as well. That's why a lot of my stories uh, wind up somewhere um, in South Florida because it's uh, very near and dear to my heart. Um, So she um, read the book and reached out to me. She found the website and saw that I ran the podcast. She asked if she could um, come on. And I said, Of course. She's a native Floridian. She's a writer. How could I say no to that? Plus, she flattered me on my writing. And as I say, flattery will get you everywhere. So uh, she and I talked about her childhood growing up in Miami. We talked about uh, the influence that her mother had on her life, or has on her life, I should say. She learned to play the piano at 12, uh, taught by her mother. Uh, She fell in love with the guitar years later, which is near and dear to my heart. I've been playing the guitar since I was 16, and I would venture to guess... Dad Side is a much better guitar player than I am, and uh, my teacher, former teacher, Ken Volpe, can certainly attest to that. Uh, after a bad record deal um, ended, uh, she decided to uh, go into the world of independent recording. She's now an independent uh, singer, songwriter, and performer down in South Florida, and she was a fan of big, cozy mystery novels, and she was inspired by the authors that she loves, like many of us are, uh, to actually pick up um, you know, and, and start writing a book. And I believe she started writing this one in uh, in 2009 or uh, sometime before then. But that's about when the, the bug hit her. And uh, she wanted to combine her background as a professional musician and her love of the cozy mystery genre into a book. And the result is, I've mentioned it before, I will say it again. Her book is called The Last Note, A Miami Music Mystery. So please listen in as we discuss her path uh, to becoming a published author, how she overcame rejection while seeking an agent and publisher, and that is a story that is familiar to just about every author I talk to, that rejection process, including yours truly. I'm not immune to that at all. I could actually wallpaper my walls with all the rejection letters I've gotten over the years., uh, but we talk about how she overcame that rejection while while uh, while seeking someone to publish her book, and how, importantly, how her perseverance and faith in herself paid off with a publishing contract from Cozy Cat Press. So uh, that's very exciting. And I do think it's a great story. Uh, A couple of sound hiccups in the middle due to a poor uh, phone connection. Uh, Bear with those if you don't mind. And uh, I do believe you'll enjoy listening to the story as much as I enjoyed uncorking it. So – Without any more commercial interruptions, here's my conversation with the lovely and talented El Alfaro. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe just starting off by telling me just a little bit more about yourself and, and where you're from, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of jump into it from there.
1: Okay, so I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. I am the youngest of six. So, four girls and two boys. Um, I, let's see, at a very early age, probably like when I was, my mom is an amazing pianist. My parents are Cuban. And when she lived in Cuba, when she was probably in, I don't know, 1920s, she started um, teaching piano over there. So, she she's just an amazing pianist. So, when I was probably like 13 or 14 years old, Um, my mom started teaching me how to play the piano.
0: Now, was that something that you were, you showed an interest in? Or was she kind of, you know, forcing it on you saying, you're going to play the piano?
1: No, I used to enjoy watching my mom play. And then I thought to myself, well, I might as well try it. And I love, I mean, I think since I was born, I always loved music. Even singing, we always sang in the car. And I was always writing, you know, little poems and stories. And I had a very, or I still have a very (laughs) creative imagination, Mm -hmm. I've been told. I don't know why. But um, so I decided to, to take on playing the piano. Now, I was good, but I think when I picked up an acoustic guitar is when I really, you know, fell in love with playing music.
0: What do you think it was about the guitar that that kind of you know had you fall in love with playing music
1: i don't know I, I one night i used to go when i was in college i used to go to this place called the warehouse cafe and that was pretty much my church after school after classes so um one night there was this girl sitting on the on the stage and just her and her guitar and she was singing an original of hers and i remember thinking my god like i could do that you know so i um there was a a guy there his name is paul and he used to give guitar lessons so one night i went up to him i said do you think you could just teach me a couple chords give me a few lessons and he said fine So as soon as I opened up one of my poetry books, he taught me some basic chords and I kind of self-taught myself after that. And back then it was not like the internet and YouTube channels where you could like look up how to play a chord. No, like I literally had a guitar chord book. (laughs) So And I loved the fact, I mean, I had that guitar in my car. You know, I would leave it in my car when I would take breaks from school. I'd go in my car and continue playing. And I think it's just, I was so free with this guitar and I could kind of um, express myself better with a guitar as opposed to piano. You can't, I don't know, I didn't feel the same connection with a piano. The guitar was kind of like my voice.
0: So, well, yeah, it's one of those yeah. really versatile instruments because it, it gives you the freedom to kind of walk around. Um, You know, you're not really, you know, you're not tied to a bench. Um, you can kind of walk around and, and, also it's, it's, it's kind of a nonlinear instrument. I mean, there's so many different ways to, to get the same sound out of, out of a guitar, you know, depending on where you're playing on the neck, um, you know, it gives you a lot of flexibility on as to where you're, where you're going to go next, I, I think. Right.
1: Yeah. And the cool thing is that I learned how to play it on a classical guitar. So the neck's a lot wider and it was nylon strings. So whenever I've attempted to play an electric guitar, I don't care for an electric guitar as much as an acoustic electric guitar. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, some people don't understand, but there's a big difference between an acoustic electric and an electric. I don't know, it's just for me, it's like, you know, when you listen to a CD or when you listen to a record on a record player, like you enjoy that sound a little more, it's more raw. For me, the acoustic guitar is more raw, so I love
2: it.
0: Who do you? I mean, when thinking about you know, kind of your influences as a musician, and we'll get to writing in a minute, but who who were some of your influences um, as uh, as a musician?
1: Um. So, lyrically, uh, Rob Thomas from Matchbox Twenty. Um. As far as genres concerned, Billie Holiday especially with her voice. I mean, you know it's Billie Holiday from so just, like, the first note. Yeah. And um, I loved Sarah McLaughlin as well. Um, she was a big storyteller, which is one of the things that I love doing, and Jewel. So it's kind of like a little bit of mix of everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, th- three out of four, I'd say, are, are like, 90s, uh, <laughs> you know, very, very yeah. 90s, you know? <laughs>
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that is that did, did you did you find yourself? Well, you mentioned kind of going to college. Were you in college in the nineties?
1: Yes, I was. And my first um, concert was Matchbox Twenty, actually. Oh no, kidding! Wow. And I just oh my god, it was like one of the best concerts that I had ever attended, and and I knew like this is what I want to do, you know, like sing in front of crowds and sing my songs and like tell my story. So. Yeah, And so Rob Thomas was a big influence when, when it came to that. I actually did get to meet him at a con- I drove all the way to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> he performed, He performed at Roxy Theatre and I waited behind the alley where they let you know the musicians in for like a couple of hours and I finally was able to to meet him and he signed my book where I um, wrote all my songs for my first record. So it, was, it was it was just a rush.
0: It was an amazing experience so t- tell me a little bit about your journey, going from you know there's this you know young adult who has this dream of kind of performing music and making a living out of performing music to actually you know becoming a performer and 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 making that dream a reality what What steps did you take and and what was that journey like
2: so
1: um I was probably like 18 and 19, 18 or 19 when I finally got signed to an independent uh, record label. So I was pretty naive back then in the fact that I trusted what was said. And I trusted, you know, my manager, which at that time I saw as like um, a mentor, kind of like a father figure. So anything he said, I never questioned it. Um, so the first three thought, and In the meantime, I was going to college and then um, learning how to play the guitar and then trying to put my words into music. So he wrote, guitar-wise, three of the songs, and then seven seven of the songs I took over, and I went ahead and I composed them myself, the music and the words. So we went ahead. I signed a contract with him, and he promised me, you know, That I'd be the next, I don't know, jewel. And um, we recorded the record. I pretty much didn't have any say on it, which was okay because, again, I trusted him and, and what the outcome would be because I thought maybe, you know, of course it's more for him than it would be for me at the time. I really didn't see it like that. So five years passed and nothing and uh, you know, in the meantime we did put a band together. I did do like mini tour sessions. Um I I opened up for a few people, um in different festivals, which was, you know, cool. It was a, a really good experience. And um five years had passed and nothing nothing had come about. So it turns out <laughs> He, the record label kind of screwed me over, so I had to kind of um, pay my pay to get out of it because it kind of automatically renewed the contract, and I and had to get out of that. So after that happened, I was pretty, I don't know, disillusioned and I just people anymore. And luckily, because of my mom and how she is, she, you know, didn't let me give up. So I just, I continued to pursue my music, I joined a band, and I started gigging pretty much every Friday and Saturday night, and I just, I built up a really cool reputation here in Miami, and, you know, in the in the music scene, and I built up my confidence, and um, after a while, I decided to record my own record. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to be the one behind the board now, and I'll make the music decisions, and creativity decisions and you know my second record
0: came out after that so i'm wondering you, you mentioned that your mother was very supportive and, and i'm curious you know d- during that time where you know you're 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 working hard for five years you're not seeing a big return on on the time you're spending you know from that initial independent record deal did did your parents at all ever um you know, tried to kind of dissuade you from from being a professional artist, or uh, was it a little bit different for you?
1: No, not at all. Actually, the only thing that my dad asked for was um, a college diploma. And he, he said, I don't care what you do, you know, if you want to continue with your music or pursue your music, as long as you graduate from college. And and I did, and he hung that diploma, and they hung it in their house. (laughs) Like I didn't even, I didn't even see it, you know. So, my parents, I mean, unfortunately, my dad just recently passed, but to this day, my mom still goes to my gigs. You know, Um, when I visit the house, I still, you know, we, I still play songs and stuff. So, they've always been there for me, and that's never been an issue you know my and that's very that was very important to me because if it wasn't for that I would have given up music a really long time ago because I just I I guess I lost faith in people and and luckily my parents helped me get that faith back you
0: know yeah I was gonna I was gonna ask I mean you know being in um in the creative field you know you you need to I mean, faith comes into, into play in a in a few different um a few different areas. I mean, it's it's faith in yourself that that you're going to be successful, but at some point you, you you need to have faith in an audience that they're going to continue to follow you, and um you know faith eventually in the people who you know you you put in charge of um you know your affairs. Uh, and it sounds like you were you were burned early on, but it 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 sounds like it did come back for you.
1: Yeah. It did, Um, and and I'm very grateful for that. I had to. I mean, you get rejected so many times, and after a while, you think to yourself, "Oh my God, how much, how much more can I, can I take?" And then um, I'll never forget one gig because I work full time, and let's say you know have a gig Friday night. I worked until five, so I get home. I rush, I get ready, I get to the gig at, like, 8, by the time I get home, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. So when I get there on a Friday night, I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, I wish I was just home. I don't know, vegging now, is this worth it? And I'll never forget one night, this lady came up to me. She asked me to sing a song. It was Pink. Who knew? And I sang it. I would just a big hug. She goes, you know. My father made my night, so I was like, that's all it took, like, this is worth it. If I can make people for a moment remember something or forget about, you know, something or just dance and just, you know, just forget everything, like, that was my job. So I thought to myself, then I succeeded, you know, just just by those little words, I've, I've succeeded, so...
0: Yeah, I mean that's um, that's that's a pretty powerful story, and and you know your 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 comment on you know getting rejected so many times. um, This is probably a good good time to transition over into into uh, the book. Um, Did you when when you published your book, um, did you go through the traditional route of finding or querying agents and and finding a publisher? Or how did you, um, yeah. how'd you do that?
1: I, um, I sent so many query letters out <laughs> <laughs> that it was, it was, I mean, it was crazy. But, you know, it was, it's my first novel. Um, I was really excited about it. Um, and I rewrote it, I don't know how many times. I have so many drafts of this book. And, um, but I had so much fun writing it because I, re- I read so many cozy mysteries that I was like, I, sh- I should just write one. <laughs> you know, like, so, um, finally, a couple of years had passed and I thought to myself, and I was rejected and rejected, and, and unfortunately, you're not told why. Like I always wanted to say why. If you tell me why I could fix it
2: mm.
1: you know, and and make it work. You know, so but so one day I, I had told my sister she I, I told my sister everything. She uh I said maybe I should just self you know, publish the book. So I did my research and um One night, there was a book signing for a mystery author that I love, Lisa Unger, and it was right by my job, and I went to the book signing. And unfortunately for her, no one showed up, but fortunately for me, like, I was the only one there. So she was so cool in the fact that she spoke to me for a whole hour, and she gave me advice, and the best advice, she goes, Do you know how many times I got rejected? Many, many, many times until I got to where I'm at. So she goes, don't give up. She goes, give yourself one year. Okay? If you get accepted, you know, if, if no one takes your manuscript within one year, then go ahead and self-publish. But give yourself one year. When I left that bookstore, I can cause I calendar everything, I calendared one year. I'm like, one year from tonight. If I don't get picked up, I'm self-publishing. And like six months later, I was, uh, like the publisher, Cozy Cat Press, um, accepted my manuscript. Oh, I thought, that's fantastic! I a heart attack! Oh my god! It was the most exciting moment that that I had had in a really long time.
0: <laughs> but I mean, it, it all started. It sounds like it all started though with your love of the genre and and wanting to kind of bring something or add something to that genre that was uniquely yours.
1: Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I, the genre. I started reading the genre because my sister. She went to Target and she saw this book, the book cover, and her and I shopped, like like wines. Like we buy wines because of the label,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: So she, she 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 um shipped me this book with a little note and said, "I bought this book for you because I love the cover." And it was a teddy bear. Um, and it was like the cookie, the chocolate chip cookie murder mystery. I was like, oh, my God, this is the the cutest novel ever. And it was from Joanna Fluke. Well, I ended up reading like 14 of her books after that, the same series. So I didn't even know cozy genre existed until I, I read her book. So then I kind of kept reading different authors. And there's tea mysteries, there's cooking mysteries and Every kind of mystery you can possibly imagine, but there was never a music mystery. So I was like, "Oh my god!" A little light bulb went off. <laughs> I was like, "I should totally try to, to write a music um, murder mystery based on my my life as a singer." <laughs> and I did.
0: <laughs> so, so your 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 interests and worlds collide. I mean, you have you, your background as a singer. And then your interest um as as an author. Uh and you and you put the two together and you create the last note.
1: And luckily my drummer is a homicide detective. So it worked out well, you know, trying to figure out how to kill people in a normal way. <laughs> <You> <laughs> so.
0: know, that doesn't sound very cozy. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: Um, I asked him 5,000 questions, so it was, it was cool, you know, cool to have him as backup. I'm surrounded by police officers, like friend-wise, which is good, and I work at a law firm, so I know criminal attorneys,
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm, I'm good at interviewing people and getting, you know, the, the details of it, so it was yeah. It that was important that that I do
0: have a homicide detective friend. Yeah, interesting because you know I I write you know in um in sort of the 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 mystery genre as well. I also write comedy, mm-hmm. but you know I often you know joke with people and say if if the FBI came and looked at my browser history, uh, you know in my in my computer. Uh, they would probably arrest me on the spot just because of all the random stuff that I have to look up. I don't have a friend who's a homicide detective, so I've got to do a lot of research on, you know, how to kill a person this way and what happens to a body, you know, after so much time and you know, just, you know, stuff about embalming and stuff. So it's a little funny. What did you as as you Thank started you. as you started to write the book? I'm curious as to what your process was. Did did you have an outline? Did you outline it ahead of time or? Did you just kind of, kind of make it up as you went along?
1: So I did have an outline. I know this is going to sound um, like dorky, but, but I am. But I, I love synopsis. Like when I look for a movie, I love reading all the synopsis <laughs> in a movie. That's what gets my attention. If it has a sucky synopsis, I'm not watching the movie. So before I started re- uh, writing my book. I had the synopsis of my book, so I, I did have the outline. I had who I wanted to kill, um, so it was it was. Now I had to kind of fill in the details. But uh, while I was writing it, um, I fell in love with certain characters that I didn't even know that I would fall in love with. You know, like I, I made their character a lot bigger than the actual main character. So it's kind of funny when I do ask people, I love asking people, first, did you figure it out? And then second, who's your favorite character? And a lot of, a lot of people hesitate because they don't want to say, they want to say like Vi, which is kind of based off me, but they always say Alexia, which is Vi's sister in the book, but that's really like I based her off my sister, but you, you she, I mean, the banter is so funny between us because it's how we are in real life, so they kind of fell in love with her character, I'm like, I don't feel bad for that because I fell in love writing her, you know, like, so, so yeah, to, to make, I don't know, I just, I'm sorry, I went off, but I, I did have an outline and I did have a synopsis and I just filled in the blanks.
0: And did you, did you find that it changed at all as you were writing the story? Did, did it end differently than you thought it was going to end or did you pretty much stay true to that synopsis?
1: No, it, it changed. Um, I made it a little bit more complicated, which is really cool because a lot of people figure it out. Figure 50% of the 100% because it, it gets a little complicated, but that's what I like. Um, so it did change at the end, which made me it made me happy and excited. Considering that I changed it so many times that the final outcome was a good one. So so far, I've gotten not. I don't. I haven't met any a reader that's figured out a hundred percent, which makes me
0: excited. Well, that's good. That then, then you did your job yeah. well. I yeah. um, I always challenge myself to to really kind of play with the reader and and you know try and, and put a lot of false leads um, and misinformation, or I guess red herrings as a technical term, but mm-hmm. just to 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 build up to some kind of draw, you know, jaw dropping moment. That's like what I challenge myself to do with each of, each of my books anyway, and sometimes it works better than others. Um, you know, I always I always have some beta readers who, who I ask. You know, did you figure out who the killer was, and um, you know when you know when did you figure it out, and how easy was it to figure out? So if if they come back to me and say they knew right away, then I, I know that it's kind of back to the drawing board a little bit.
1: Well, I didn't figure
0: yours out, by the way. I just finished reading your novel. <laughs> oh, the uh, Unquirking a Murder. Yes. Well, that's, so. how, that's how we met, isn't it? Because you said you, you <laughs> were amazed that somebody, um, what, what did you tell me? You said somebody yeah, was, put a book set, set in South Florida. That's right.
1: Yeah. I was reading your book and you kept mentioning like Oakland Park and I I I am telling you like I pictured the drawbridge because sometimes I get that super bridge on a way to a gig and I'm like oh my god so like I was imagining the and I'm like I have to look this this guy up because I think he's from like <laughs> Waterdale
2: you know
0: I was <laughs> I, I was born awesome cause I, <laughs> I was born in I was in, born a, in uh, I was a plantation. I lived there until 1983, and then we moved. Um, we moved up to the northeast. But I go back multiple times a year. My parents retired down to Fort Lauderdale, right? You know, their building is almost right in front of um, that A1A dive bar that you you mentioned playing uh, a, mm-hmm. a little while ago. So that's uh, just shows you how small the world is. I
1: know, but I enjoyed your book very much.
0: As you, you know, as you were writing your book, did you learn anything about yourself during the writing and, and publishing process? And, and what might you have learned about yourself?
1: Well, technically, I learned um, how to format, which I, you don't really realize how important that is until you turn in your, your book. So there's so many little details. How many spaces and no double spaces here and and uh, is it a comma or a period? You know, it's just like those little details. Um, so I grammatically I learned a lot. Considering that I am an English major, <laughs> so this was like yeah, it was, it was like a slap in the face. Like I, I, it's like going back to school and learning those those details. Um, I think as a I learned um, that I am um creative enough to actually write a book. You know, I didn't think I was good enough to try to put words on paper. So but I challenged myself. Like you said, it's good to challenge yourself. So I I challenged myself, I tested myself and I just when I started I continued until I finally had the first rough draft and I looked at the book and I was like I, I could do I did it. You know, so the fact that I challenged myself and realized that, hey, I can also be an author, maybe someone will actually like this, um, was pretty cool that I had that, I don't know, like I believed in myself a little more than than I used to. So that was, I learned that.
0: And and how important, I mean, I know you're from the Miami area, but how important was it for you to have the actual setting in Miami? It,
1: um. It wasn't, but I I wrote what I knew, so it just it automatically became Miami, you know where it, it's and the and the bars that the character plays at are the bars that I actually gig at as well. So I just wrote what I knew. It just it was on auto, automatic, but it's kind of cool because I did have um, a lady review my my book. She came back to me. And she gave me you know really nice reviews, and she said does this place really exist, and does this place really exist? And I'm like, actually it does, but I just kind of changed the name of, <laughs> like, the bar, the diner. But, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I write what I know. So, yeah, it wasn't a – it was just automatic. I, I based it in Miami.
0: And then so you, you know, six months after you're, you're, you finished your – it sounds like you finished your last draft, you get the call from the publisher – they're interested. Um, what, I just had a curiosity, what, what happened next? And did, did a whole bunch of new work all of a sudden just land in your lap?
2: So
1: I had, a, I wanted to make it a three part, a three book series, same characters. So um, as soon as they said um, yes, uh, the book was released January 1st. So I got, um, I started. I started researching a whole bunch of stuff like book signings and where do I start? You know, like now I have my books now, now where do I go from there? So I kind of did all that, um, myself. Um, then I continued writing your contract. I at (laughs) least want to give them another book. Maybe it'll keep me on. (laughs) <laughs> a couple of years. Go ahead.
0: I'm sorry, you just cut out for a second there when you were talking about starting to write the the next book. Your your, your voice cut out.
1: Oh, okay. So um, January first, the book was released, and then um, I I started doing the book signings and trying to get the book launch and selling the books online and and doing all the social media pages. And then I already started the second book to the series, so I'm already like six chapters in. So. I'm continuing to write and continuing to promote um, this first book as well. So you it's just been nonstop, but in a good way. Like I'm overwhelmed, but in a positive way.
0: The, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I I talk to a lot of different types of authors, you know, on this on this show. Everyone from independents um, to you know people who are very early in their career. To people who are very very well established and have like 40 million books in print and they, they all tell me something similar which is it's the promotion that takes up a lot of their time and and even those who are with these very big publishing houses you know it's still really mm-hmm. on them to do most of their own promotion um, which is uh, which I actually find somewhat consoling because you know just like you're talking about, I I mean I I do 100% of my own promotion and I I made a lot of mistakes along the way um some of them more exp- more expensive than others um but uh, you know it's um it it really is a uh a learning curve especially with the, with the first one because you really don't know what you're doing and, and how to promote it and you know you talk about going into bad deals you know when you were younger with that independent um record contract I mean, I made some terrible mistakes, you know, promoting my earlier stuff. You know, that, that cost me a fair amount of money, which, um, you know, is, uh, unfortunate, but at least now I, I know not to do some of those things, um, right. anymore. What's, what's worked out most for you in terms of, like, getting the word out about, um, uh, about the last note?
1: So I actually what helped me a lot when I started <clears throat> seeing what I should do next is I contacted the cozy authors that I read. I actually contacted them and I asked for their advice. And these women are so cool because they actually take the time to respond, you know, like, and actually give you advice. So that helped me a lot, like, um, asking different authors what you know, how, how, should, how should I promote my book? So what's helped a lot is I love doing graphic design, so I like doing like little videos and putting posters together and, you know, so I'm constantly on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I really do use social media specifically just to get the word out. Because I have, I also have, luckily have a great music fan base. So a lot of the people that come out to see me gig have also been to the book signings, have also like promoted my book, you know, through their sites or through their pages. So I'm just I'm always constantly just putting out a link or putting out the you know the, the book cover on on facebook or putting on a store link and just kind of like you know when when you see something so many times you're finally like i'm just gonna get it (laughs) kind of thing you know so i'm I'm hoping that that if i keep doing that keep doing that people will share it more and you know i've I've done the virtual book tours which is kind of cool um book cover contests like you just and sometimes i read like don't do it. It's a waste of time. But you know, what? I'll tell you what, you have to try everything because there's going to be that one person out there. that's going to say, Hey, you know what? I can, I, I'll help you out. You know, it's kind of like what, what I, with you, I was lucky enough. I, I mean, I literally just looked you up just to see where you were from. And I'm like, Oh my God, he has a podcast. Why not just send him an email? You're like, what do I have to lose? Another rejection. And look, here we are tonight. I mean, you have to try
0: everything. No. Well, you, you have to be, you know, you have to be your own agent in that regard. You know, yeah, and mm-hmm. you have to, you know, yeah, that's where the faith comes comes back into play. It's you have to have faith in yourself and and have thick skin almost to handle, you know, to handle the rejections that will come. I mean, just like you mm-hmm. mentioned with query letters, I, I could wallpaper my office with with those <laughs> form letters that they send you back. And you're absolutely right; they don't tell you why they don't want you. They just say that you're not a good fit. They don't tell you what a good fit is, but that's because, you know, it's a form letter and, you know, they probably Mm -hmm. really didn't even read what you sent them anyway, so.
2: Yeah, Um, I
0: agree. So what's next? What's next for the, uh, it sounds like you you do want to, you want to turn this into a series. How deep into book two are you right now?
1: So I'm up to chapter seven. I haven't figured out the second person I'm going to kill off, (laughs) but I do have the (laughs) synopsis. And I have the outline, but the really cool thing that just happens is, um, so my publisher, Cozy Cat Press, they, um, her, her name is Patricia Rockwell. She's she's a really cool lady. She has this idea to write a book, um, uh, twenty-two authors with twenty-two authors. So each chapter is an author. So I decided to try it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up for a chapter, and so, for example, one author uh, started chapter one, so every, you know, we had a certain deadline to follow, and when the deadline was up, she would send that chapter over, and the next author went ahead and and um, wrote her or his chapter based on the first one. So I was like, chapter 13. Well, the cool thing is that we just finished the book, and she's releasing it December 1st. Mm-hmm. It's a cozy mystery. Called The Wheel of Death. And I'm actually one of the authors that participated. So that's really cool as well. I've never seen a publishing house ever do that before. So that's a book that's coming out that I'm kind of in there. Well, that's <laughs> <attached> exciting. To- <laughs> I know. I'm really, I'm going to order like 20 copies for Chris <laughs> <laughs> and give him out his gifts. But, um, and I'm going to try to finish, um, the second book. I want I want it to finish by December, but it's not going to happen. So I'm hopefully going to finish it by February, so I can start the whole editing process and and everything.
0: And that that can be a, hum, a humbling process, can it?
1: Oh yes, <laughs> it's so exciting when I have to read my i my book twenty thousand times.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the next step.
0: Oh, very good. Well, I, I always like to end the, these types of conversations with um, kind of words of advice. And, and I, I want you to imagine that you are, um, you know, you, you have the ability to write a letter to your younger self, um, you know, pick a year, but but maybe I always think about, you know, my teenage years when I was kind of most vulnerable. But if if you could write a letter to yourself when you were a bit more vulnerable, what are some of the things you would put in that letter to, um, kind of tell yourself and, you know, what would your future self, what would you want your future self to tell your past self?
1: Most importantly, don't give up on yourself. It's going to be hard. Um, trust people, but to a certain extent, um, listen to what the little voice tells you when it comes to instincts and people. And be open to, um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what the world is going to throw at you. Because sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But that's how you learn. You have to just get back up. And most importantly, be confident. Because sometimes that's, if you lose that, then you just, you lose the faith that you have in yourself. I think that's what I would
0: tell myself. Well, those are very good, uh, very good pieces of advice to, to, to pass on to anybody. Um, you know, particularly, I mean, obviously yourself, because that's how I worded the question, but, you know, even aspiring authors, you know, people who want to do what you've done, um, you know, aspiring authors are inspiring musicians. So very, very wise words. Thank you. And any um any gigs coming up that you want to talk about between now and the end of the year?
1: No, so I decided to take the from the rest of the year off right now. <laughs> I have to I have to uh relax my brain for a little bit. But um but I will keep you posted because I would love to meet your parents.
0: <laughs> well, you know they are 86 and 85. I don't know how they're their the, the mobility isn't part of their, their strong point anymore. Um, but, we'll, uh,
1: we'll send them a, a car.
0: Well, there you go. There you go. But keep me abreast cause I do find myself down there quite a bit and I would love to make one of those if, uh, if it's at all possible.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. But no, the rest of the year, I'm just kind of taking a break and you, know, you have to revamp yourself and your brain and, you know, start fresh in the new year. So I think that's, that's what I'm going to do.
0: Well, I wish you well with that. I wish you well with uh, with this book and of course writing the second one, getting it done by February. And um I wish you a great uh, holiday season.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: You are welcome.
1: This was awesome. I really really appreciate you taking the time to to interview me. So that that's um that's pretty amazing.
0: So that's my conversation with Zyda. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, she certainly has a lot of enthusiasm for life, which I love to hear. Um, she uh, is definitely a little free-spirited, um, but, you know, for for the struggles that she had in the earlier part of her music career, she really kind of restored her faith in in other people, certainly her faith in herself, and it's paid off with a, a tremendous novel. Um, so I hope you all Enjoy this conversation. If you want to learn more about Zyda, please go to Zydamusic.com. That's Z-A-I-D-A music.com. And if you want to learn more about me, author Mike Carlin, please feel free to visit michael michaelcarlinauthor.com. That's Carlin with an O and not an I. If you liked what you heard here, please tell a friend about this podcast. Love it when uh, my listeners pass it on to other people because that is the best way We can grow and uh, spread the good stories about all the interesting people that we interview here on Uncorking a Story. So for all the staff at Uncorking a Story, including me, your host, Mike Carlin, I say thank you for listening and until next time.
2: So many faces. Sitting on this train now, wondering why There's a girl with flowers and a man on the phone Sweetheart, I want to see your pretty face when I get home I know it's time now to get on this train Long to be Sitting on the train with my guitar And I watch my life just pass me by Along with the people around me There's a man who's sleeping Where could he be? I'm looking out the window but there's nothing there to see. Time is passing by. What should I say? She's been crying and I want to take her pain Now it's time now to get up straight. And everybody like me, they. Long to be Around me, silver's train, and all I have is a one-way ticket for my heart to so get to the places.